Hello, and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Gronwald, a real estate agent, mother of three, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband, Jed. I hope you'll join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family, because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Road Real Estate, and I'm here with my two friends, Jill and Amy, and we are going to be going through our different Enneagram types. Now we only have 30 minutes, so we're not gonna even scratch the surface, but we thought this would be a fun conversation just sharing how our different Enneagram types impact our parenting, our work life, and our marriages. So we're gonna just jump in, go through some questions together, and we love your thoughts, questions, ideas. So if you're listening to this with us live, please send those in in the chats and the comments, and we'll try to respond to those as well. But this should be a really fun time together. So I'm just going to jump right in because I've had both Jill and Amy on my show before. If you haven't listened, please go back and listen to Jill talk about being the founder of Invisible Girl Project, and then Amy, who sells Beauty Counter. And so both of these ladies have had great input and information that they've shared on my show. So can we just jump in and let me ask the first question. Will all three answer these? Me being um, a type three, Jill being a type eight, and um, Amy a type one. So first off, how did you learn your Enneagram type? And so I'll answer, and this is Ashley, um, and I'm a type three, which is the achiever. So how did I learn about that? Um, one, I took an online free test that gave me some input into that. But really what was super helpful was reading Ian Cron's book, The Road Back to You. And so it helped me really self-discover who I was based on the personality. So what about for you, Jill? How did you find out your type? So I'm a type eight and I first heard of the Enneagram from a couple of friends locally. It was a few years ago and they were very into, into it and were just telling me all the different types. And I heard a type seven and I heard a type eight. And so I was like, oh, those both kind of sound like me. So I ended up also taking a free test and then I paid for the quote unquote real test and came back like basically tied between an eight and a seven. And as uh, time has gone on, I've learned more about the types. And so I've definitely pinpointed that I'm an eight with a seven. Awesome. And then what about for you, Amy, being a type one? Tell us how you found that. So I actually was exposed to the Enneagram for at work back in 2016 or 2017. The company I worked for, we were working with a life coach and the life coach had us each go through the test and determine our type. So that's how I found out I was a one. But then I got really into the Enneagram and I also read The Road Back to You. And I think that was like the most confirmation for me. Awesome. And so what I'll have each of us do is just give a brief description of what we would call each type of our own. Um, not all nine types, because there are nine types. Just to give people who are listening that maybe aren't familiar with the Enneagram, just a little nugget of what your type means to you. Because I think each person would define theirs differently. And then I'll have us share that and then how the Enneagram has influenced how we see the world. So I'll start, Ashley, type three. And like I said, type three is the achiever or the performer. So oftentimes 
Type threes are very competitive, want to achieve and perform in work and in life. And so that fits me to a T. I tell people I'm a three wing three because I'm so strong three that I claim it for my wings as well. But how it's influenced how I see the world is just realizing how different people are and that it's not right or wrong. These are personality preferences. And so it helps me to just appreciate people and their differences and that God's gifted them differently than me. And that's okay. We don't all have to be like me, even though sometimes I think that I want that. We're all looking at the world from a different lens. And so it helps me give grace, I think, to other people um, and appreciate them for their differences. So what about you, Jill, if you can share your type, how you define it, and then how the Enneagrams influenced how you see the world. Great. Thanks, Ashley. So this is Jill. I'm a type eight on the Enneagram and that's uh, called the challenger. And that's totally who I am. Uh, a challenger has a real heart for justice and a desire to challenge really the status quo. And so really, whether it's a small situation or a large problem, global problem. I just see that. And I have something inside me that just is stirred up. Like I can attack this and I have to, I have to do something. And there's something literally like an engine inside me that makes me feel like I have to do something about this injustice. And um, so that's good to know that about myself, right? I mean, I knew that I had a heart for that anyway, but then seeing that that's because that's the way God made me and, and that's my Enneagram type. It just all makes sense. And um, again, just like you, like it's so good to further understand myself and then others as well. And just understanding that really with the different types and, and when you learn more about other people and what their different types are, you do see like, well, this is this is really who they are and how, how God made them. And it helps you understand people better, I think. Definitely. So now what about for you, Amy, type one, tell us a brief description of that and how it's influenced the way you view the world. So type one again, and we're typically called the perfectionist or the reformer or the improver. And I personally like the improver best, at least like I resonate with that most myself. Um, I think I saw that perfectionistic in an unhealthy way, personality come out a lot earlier in my life. But yeah, the type one has a really deep desire for being right and being good and being perfect and having integrity. And their core fear is to be the opposite of that. So like corrupt or evil or bad. And it really has helped me process my black and white thinking and like my strong sense of right and wrong and all of that. Learning about the one and just learning about their like that deep need to be right. And it's definitely influenced like my spiritual journey and just un dismantling like self-righteousness or trying to start that process. So how it has influenced the way I see the world, I pretty much could echo exactly what Ashley and Jill have already said. I think really it has helped me gain compassion for other people, especially with such a sense of like, this is the right way to do things. It's helped me to realize that people have such different motivations for why they walk around in the world the way they do and why they treat themselves and others the way they do. And it's also really helped me develop curiosity for people rather than just like judging them one way or the other to really be more in the middle and more balanced and say like, oh, I'm curious about 
why it might be that way. And it's also very much impacted my marriage. My husband is an eight like Jill. And on the Enneagram Institute website, it has a description of like all the types put together in relationships. And it talks about the one and the eight being one of the most challenging romantic relationships that exist because we're real headstrong people. And so that has really actually given me so much comfort and peace to realize that we're actually born to have conflict being put together. So yeah, that's a little bit on my type and how it influences the way I see the world. Awesome. So the next question is, what is your core desire, motivation, and core fear as your type specifically? And can you give an example of how each of those impact an area of your life? So this is so good. One thing with me, Ashley, type three, what they say about type three is our kind of um, biggest struggle is vanity, which I hated hearing that when I read that. I was like, gosh, that's my, you know, kind of the deadly sin is vanity. But it makes sense because a motivation for me is wanting to appear successful and competent and productive and put together. And so that can be a motivating core desire for me. And then a fear could be being found out, or if you've ever heard of the imposter syndrome, like fearing that people would figure out that maybe I'm not who they thought I was, even though I'm trying to project this image of success. And I feel so vulnerable sharing that, but I thought I'm going to do it. It's good for me. It challenges me a whole lot. And so an example would be like my husband's a real estate agent and our competence and our identity is in real estate. And we had clients as buyers and sellers of the same home. And I felt like, you know, my husband knows my weaknesses where generally what I project to the world, they don't see that. And so I felt very exposed and it really was challenging for me with this desire to feel successful and competent and kind of my husband seeing the weaknesses in me as we were doing a professional real estate transaction. But what about for you, Jill type eight, what does that look like? That's so good, Ashley. Thanks for sharing that because it's true. Like with our different types, we all have like a core fear, right? And really the core desire, like you mentioned. So as a type eight, it says that my desire, like if you look up Enneagram eight, my desire is to protect myself and remain in control of basically my life. I have a hard time with that because I would not say, nor would I think that other people really think that I'm a control freak. And I think that that really, when you read that, it makes it seem like, oh, this person has to be in control. However, I do know like with my type, like as an Enneagram 8, I am not afraid to let my voice be heard and how that can come off as controlling. And I also like feel like it's quite an injustice for other people to let their voices be heard and not want to hear someone else's voice. And so I see how there's that aspect of control. And I do think that if I don't keep that in check, understanding and really continually reminding myself, like I'm not in control of anything, the Lord is in control, like that that could really harm me. So the the basic fear is that uh, I could be controlled by others or hurt by others. And I definitely see that in my life as far as I don't like feeling that I am when I'm put in a corner or sometimes I've even said to my husband who's super organized and just over little things like if he's like let's get up in the morning we're gonna clean we're gonna organize I'm like oh you're making me feel so trapped right now and it is that really that and I can't believe it it would be so silly over something like that but it's that fear it's that feeling of being trapped and that is certainly a core fear as a type eight and that that's hard right um and you have to I mean, if you're, if you're married, you know, it's about compromise and it's about yeah being unselfish. And so I have to recognize even in those moments where I'm feeling that trapped being 
threshold feeling like also who he is and wanting to be organized and wanting to have a really clean home and understand that that's part of who he is and compromising in that way and not being selfish. Well, and my husband, Jed, is a type eight. And so I need way more time with you because I feel like hearing it from you feels different than hearing it from him. And I would say that he would echo all that, that he feels trapped and does not want to be controlled. And that's typical of type eight. That is their biggest fear is to be controlled. And then you put me who loves to be in control. It makes for a very dynamic duo. (laughs) I can understand that. (laughs) So I'll go down to the next question. So how has, have you seen your type play itself out in childhood versus adulthood? And this for myself, Ashley type three in school, I had this very strong drive to get straight A's, be valedictorian, captain of the tennis team. And then now, and I don't know that I necessarily knew what that driving force was, but it was my innate personality, you know, driving those things. And then after I got out of school, it was, I wanted to be the number one sales agent as a real estate agent in my office. And so it's, I've seen it, the performance achiever side of me just be a common thread through my entire life. What about for you, Jill? I've always had a desire for justice. I don't know. I wasn't, I think stereotypically you would think as a type eight, which is what I am, that it would have been, I would have presented myself as like a strong-willed child when I was young or very outspoken. And I wasn't like that. Again, I'm a real strong seven wing. And so I can definitely see as I was younger, like seeking adventure, but also not being afraid of those adventures and always having really kind of the core reason behind so much of what I did was really justice. And I think my parents really helped instill that in me from the time I was really young. So I think the justice theme has been there ever since I was little. I love that. I think that's amazing. What about for you, Amy? How have you seen it childhood to now as a type one? Yeah. So when I was growing up, I'm the oldest of five siblings. So I was kind of like an additional parent for most of my childhood. And I actually have heard some Enneagram experts talk about how that's really typical for one. So I was like really involved in managing the household and caring for my younger siblings. And I just really took on like that controlling, very responsible, very, you know, reliable person um, for my family. And then I see it so much and I developed an eating disorder in high school. And I just look back at that now and see this like desperate desire for perfection and control when so much of my life was just kind of falling apart. We specifically were moving for my senior year of high school. So that's when everything started for me in my junior year. So that perfectionistic like drive was very, very strong just for like the way I was coping in the world. So that was my type one in childhood. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's so interesting that we can see this like played out through our life you know, now into our adult years. So next question, are there things about your Enneagram type that don't seem to fit you? And I love this because I think some people can read each type and say, well, that doesn't sound like me exactly. So it can't be me. And it's more the majority of them. So this is a good question for me, Ashley type three. One thing was, it says that threes generally don't want to deal with their emotions. And that kind of caught me off guard because I feel like, and Jill and Amy might attest to this, that I'm pretty open to talking about emotions and feelings and dealing with the deeper parts of humanity and struggles. So I don't think that fit me perfectly. What about you, Jill? Any Enneagram as a type eight, um, any Enneagram, I don't know, podcast that I've heard or studying, they say that type eight women are the most easily misunderstood. And in part of 
what I think it is, is a type eight person could come off as being aggressive or again, having the desire of control. And I just don't feel that way as much. Like I've heard people say like, you don't seem like a type eight. You don't have to be in control of the whole room and be so assertive. And um, so that's, that's a good thing. And just, I think like that extreme for a type eight or maybe on the unhealthy side of a type eight, I do have a hard time resonating with because I think so much of who I am and what I do too in being justice minded is justice for others. And so you can see, like, I do have a strong type two in who I am. What about for you, Amy? What do you think doesn't line up for you as a one? Yeah. So one of the hallmarks of a type one is having a really harsh inner critic. And I can see that so much in my life up to really like the past maybe three or four years. I feel like it's, I'm not sure if I should attribute it to like actually maturing or if it's like, I've just learned to uh, ignore what doesn't serve me, but I don't live by that at all anymore. Like I, I hear it sometimes, but that doesn't characterize my personality anymore. It kind of makes me question if I'm a type one, but I think that's just because I'd rather not face the fact that it is inside of my brain. So yeah, that is a like harder part of the type one's personality, having that inner critic. And it doesn't feel like it lines up with me at this point in my life. So the next one we've kind of alluded to, but what is your spouse's type and how does that help you in your marriage to understand him? So I shared that Jed is an eight, um, which is the challenger. And I think after learning this, it made so much sense. Even though we'd done every other personality assessment, this one added just one more layer of understanding for me. And one podcaster said that you put a three me with an eight, they're called the power couple in relationship. So I think we say this all the time when we're walking with the Lord together, we're incredible what we could accomplish. But if we're not, and we're choosing ourselves, which is often where we land, it is a lot of friction between the two of us. And so it just helps me because I've always said like, there's two alpha males in our home and you can't have two alphas, you know, there's one alpha and we've got two. And so like you said, Amy, it creates a lot of problem solving conflict and not seeing that as we're struggling in marriage, but just that that's our personalities. That's going to lend itself to have conflict, to not be afraid of the conflict, but making sure that we're dealing with it. And we haven't done a great job of dealing with it on our own. So we've gotten outside help. So we have a counselor that helps us through conflict because we are always in conflict. So what about for you, Jill? This is Jill type eight. So my husband, like I mentioned, is a type one. When he first took the test though, he scored higher on type three. He's definitely has, he has an aspect of himself that's an achiever. But then again, as we studied, he is completely a type one. He, he achieves and that's still something that's really strong in him is as an achiever, but he's definitely a one. And it helped as we were looking at both of our personality types and with the Enneagram to understand each other. He, he can see more now why I am the way I am, why I'm very direct. Like sometimes I know that I say things that might not necessarily be tactful, but I just, I want to be direct. Let's just get it out in the open. We'll talk about it and we'll get it done with. And so he understands that's how I am. And he now, I mean, he goes with that, but also as a one, again, like I understand his desire really for perfection. And a lot of times that comes off like, is it a perfectionist who also loves to achieve? Like, oh my goodness, we are, we are really getting this train moving on a Saturday morning. Like this house is clean. He's got the Roomba going. Like there are so many things that I'm like, oh, you know, but I see, again, I understand more that's, that's who he is and, and his real desire. So we also, in, when we're in a healthy place, um, have everything that I've read shows that together we can conquer, you know, God put us together to like conquer 
big injustices. And for those of you who have not listened to Ashley's podcast where I was interviewed, Brad and I together started the Invisible Girl Project because we just saw that there was this terrible atrocity of female gender side to killing little girls in India. And because we're crazy enough as a one in an eight to think that we could conquer something so huge as that, we started Invisible Girl Project. But, you know, God knew what he was doing when he put us together. So that's awesome. I love that. And I think it's just crazy how you're an eight, Jill, with a one husband and then Amy, you're a one with an eight husband. And I'm having eight husband. We should spend some time together, guys, and we should double date. I mean, Amy and I did that the other night. It was so helpful just mm -hmm. to kind of talk through things and not feel alone in our differences. What about you, Amy? What would you say to this? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with you, Ashley. Like, it's so interesting to me to talk to you two and Jill to hear your experience. Being an eight, being married to a one, I've really would like to connect with you some more. <laughs> and you didn't mention, you know, drop down, drag out fights in your marriage. And that might just be because I am very immature and me and my husband have a lot of uh, growth to do. But we, we have so much conflict. Like Ashley had said, we just, we just miss each other and communication so much. And I, to be very honest, perceive his directness and more like aggressive, brash style of communicating as rude and wrong. And I just, I just take it personally. I mean, I'm no reason to not be honest here. So we just really struggle to have a relationship that is very empathetic and like warm. And I'm really more honing in on the negative right now. But um, I think that it has been extremely helpful for both of us to understand where we're coming from and our different types. And like for me to personally recognize that need for like intensity and justice and like control and all of that, that the eight has. And to see that my husband is not acting with ill intentions or trying to do anything wrong. He's just literally being himself. And this is how he expresses himself. That has been very helpful for me as one with such like a right and wrong standard. I definitely know that like those standards feel impossible to, to my husband as well. Like just some examples, like, I don't know, Jill, if it's like this for you, but I do like have a very strong need for cleanliness and more OCD. Everything needs to be in its spot. I have grown and like, I can let it go, but it smolders inside of me. I'm like, we need to tidy this right now. Like, so that has been a point of contention as well. Um, but I think as we are like learning each other more and more, we learn how to love each other as well. So like when Mike does, my husband, Mike puts his things right where they go, it, I feel so loved, you know? And then on more of the positive side, like you guys have both already said, whenever we have like a common goal and we're unified in something we want to accomplish, there is no doubt we will do it. So that has been really exciting in our marriage, just like seeing how when we can join together and have a common purpose or goal, we'll crush it. So, so I, we have a couple of other great questions. So I'm going to try and run through them. We'll just shorten our answers a little bit just because these are really great. So next one, how do you respond to parenting challenges? Love to hear from you guys on this. Ashley type three, for me, I see it as a reflection of myself. And so remember that vanity thing. I think if Ellie's not doing a good job listening or obeying or in school, that's a reflection on me. And so I think I can take it as really hard on my, take it 
you know, personally. Um, whereas Jed does not see that at, at all. And when we have challenges, he's the challenger. So if I have an idea I want to instill, he's going to challenge it maybe first to make sure he thinks it's a good idea. But I want to quickly get out of that space of feeling like it's a negative reflection on me. What about for you, Jill? So Jill type eight, I try, actually, I can see myself totally instilling who I am in my children and like talking about um, just even challenging things that they see that aren't right. And even though like, I don't want them to necessarily, you know, I mean, they are whoever God made them, but I want them to see that like there are injustices and that they need to fight against these injustices. And I really, it's, I feel like I'm instilling that in my children, even though they're just 10 and seven, it, as far as a negative thing, you know, I know that as an eight, I am prone to anger. And so when I am stressed, that is where I go to. And I know I can't do that to my children, but I'm so far from perfect. And I do like, sometimes I just am like, ah, and I know sometimes I'm not gentle with my words either. If I see my child do something and I, I might be a little bit more direct than I should be. Like my, my daughter who loved gymnastics, like at the age of four and five, like talked about being an Olympic gymnastics an Olympic gymnast. She wasn't good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. She's not good. But I was like, sweetheart, you're never going to be an Olympic gymnast. I'm five foot 10 and your daddy's six two. That's just not going to happen. Okay. Well, I did not need to be that direct with a four or five year old, you know, but I just am sometimes. So that's how I see it kind of played out. That's funny. What about for you, Amy? What's it look like for parenting as a new mom? Yeah. So my daughter is at the time of this, uh, 10 and a half months old, almost 11. So I haven't had <laughs> ton of experience yet. But I definitely, as we've had certain issues with her, what I do is I say, that's not okay. We need a plan and we need to execute it. So I just get, I try to get really organized about it and just try to follow through as perfectly as possible on that plan. And that has actually repeated itself with pretty much all of the issues we've had. So not a ton of challenges just yet, but that would be this pattern I've seen so far. Sure. So next question, where do you feel misunderstood? So Ashley type three, I think I have really high capacity and not everybody has that. And so I feel like people look at me like you're just not a rat race of crazy and I want to get things done. I don't want to sit down and relax. That's not relaxing to me. And so I just feel misunderstood even by my husband, Jed, who's likes to relax. He play, he's playing hard and works hard. And I just work hard essentially. And just like the activity and then just being more focused on tasks than people. I don't like that about my personality, but it is, it is a very true attribute that I think can be misunderstood. So what about for you, Jill, you were saying that eight women anyway are already misunderstood. How do you feel specifically? Yeah, I, I think that I, I don't ever want to come across as domineering or I just think some people can perceive that an eight woman just in being direct is unkind or really, I don't know, too out, too quote unquote outspoken. Um, and that bothers me, you know, that really bothers me. No, like, I think that we have something that we need to say and, and we should be heard. And, um, and so I just, I don't think that's, I don't think that's fair or right. Um, I know that also it can be perceived that when we're in stressful situations, we do it as an, as an eight, I have a tendency to kind of retreat and go inward and kind of put up a wall. And I don't want that to be perceived as that I'm sh like purposely shutting other people out but that's how I deal with stress. If I'm not, you know, I don't want to get angry. I'm going to deal with it internally. What about for you, Amy? Where do you see this play for you? Yeah. As a type one, I feel 
definitely misunderstood and like not valued for that inherent desire to like make things better and improve them and more just like judged for how I always see the imperfections. I mean, even in this interview, I've mainly talked about the negative things <laughs> about my like personal journey being one. I definitely felt this a lot at work when in a in a team setting where I would that is just my natural like, okay, here are the problems. How do we solve them? How do we improve them? It's not okay. We, you know, we need to strive to make this perfect. And when people don't see it that way, I just, I don't feel valued for how that can actually serve a situation. And that, as we already touched on, like definitely plays itself out in my marriage and my family relationships too. And then I, I have a couple more that I want to ask real quick, but um, when you work in a group, what's frustrating? Me, Ashley, type three, people work too slow, procrastinate. They don't do it well enough. I can't have control of the results. What about you, Jill? <laughs> so Jill type eight, uh, when I'm misunderstood because I'm just saying something like it is or giving my opinion about something, or if someone tries to dominate the group, which I don't have to dominate the group. I don't have to be the leader in the group. I can let somebody else, but when they are not valuing other people's voices, to me, that's an injustice. Definitely. What about you, Amy? As a type one, I am always annoyed with how other people aren't thorough and don't have like systems in place or just like ways to like do things the right way every time. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm definitely a rule follower. I'm a rule implementer direction giver. I love it. That's awesome. What do you do for self-care or to relax? Ashley, type three, exercise, teach group fitness classes, read, and those are all relaxing and self-care, but they're all productive. So I get to check off things on my list. What about for you, Jill? Jill, type eight. Um, again, I keep mentioning my high seven wing, but I love adventure and, and being out and doing things. And so, um, so during this time that we're taping this, COVID's going on. So this is that's been really, really hard for me. Um, and so, yeah, I miss traveling because I just have it in me that I need to go somewhere and do something. What about you, Amy? For me, I like to get outside. I like to be by myself. I like to walk, pray or journal, spend time with friends, exercise. All those things are self-care and relaxing for me. Awesome. All right. The very last question. And I love it so much. What is a pet peeve or think of just something that kind of goes against your kind of your rule system or your foundation relationally that fits with your Enneagram type? So I will share a pet peeve for me, which is lack of efficiency. When people don't think do things in the most efficient way, wasting time and money, it makes me crazy. And I could give you a million examples, but I won't <laughs> go Jill. Okay. Jill type eight. For me, it's when people aren't direct. And when I've asked, uh, I, being an eight, I'm not afraid of confrontation. And so I don't like conflict with people. So I will confront and be like, okay, tell me, is there a problem? What's going on? And if they're not direct or honest and they hide things, or if they're just not, just tell me like it is, that is a pet peeve. Just again, if you're my friend, just tell me like it is. What about for you, Amy? Yeah, mine's similar to yours, Ashley. I just am bothered by when there's not a strong sense for productivity or like maybe I can see laziness really easily easily in people and it, it, it lives in me for sure. So it's very hypocritical, but it I just get driven crazy when people don't want to like constantly do and maybe improve things. It, it just doesn't make sense to me really. 
That's great. Well, we are so out of time, but I had so much fun. I could do this for hours and hours. I hope people listening maybe had something insightful that they could share within their friendships, their family, within their marriage. I hope to do more of these because I, I'm learning a lot about myself, giving myself grace, giving others grace. And so that's the bottom line. It's not to make a crutch of our personality to say, this is the way I am, deal with it. It's to say, this is my preference. How can I honor God by being not my preference right now to serve somebody else and be selfless and love others. So don't use it as a crutch. That's not the point. It's more for us to grow and be, to look more like Jesus essentially. And so how can we do that by understanding our preferences and remembering they're just preferences. They're not needs. They're not even demands that maybe we think they are. They're just a preference that we can use for our benefit or not. And so we want to work towards using it for others' benefits and ours. But thank you, Jill and Amy. I had so much fun. See everyone next week. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Jill. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend. Subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home where it all begins.